Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Good evening, good afternoon, or good morning. This is more than just a podcast. Podcast. Season 7, episode 18. As you can hear from those dulcet tones, back by popular demand is Shedman. Good evening, Nigel. Where are you? I'm in my shed. With a heater? With the heater on, yeah. Bleeding cold tonight. Um, no John, who who's out, probably at a gig. No George, who's working late tonight. But bop, uh, back by even popular demand is Ian Dale as our guest presenter tonight. Super sub. Super sub. The last alternative. So we've got a lot to get on with tonight and we're keeping Ian from his dinner. So let's start. We, we, we weren't here last week. Haven't got a good excuse why we weren't here. So we won't give one. Um, we, we haven't talked about Leicester. It seems a long way away. Um, but Nigel, I, I didn't go to the Leicester game. I know you did. Um, was, was that a turning point for, for West Ham, the Leicester game? I think it was a turning point for the fans uh, and and the um, getting behind the team. I think we showed our class. I'm not sure about the team itself. I'm not. The, the problem you got is if when you're only picking up one point, it's not really good enough in the situation we're in. But we did everything we could to stand up and be counted, to encourage those that pull the shirt on, that we entrust to do, uh, go out and perform to do it. So, you know, I just want to say, I think the fans were absolutely fantastic. Good. Ian, did you do you watch it or were you still doing your radio show on Friday? Well, it was difficult because I had to drive up to Norfolk that evening after the radio show and I got to, I was going to go, but it took me so long to get out to the London Stadium that it, the game had already kicked off by the time I would have parked. So I just kept going to Norfolk and listened to it on the radio, which in a way I'm glad I did. But um, it was interesting on the commentary because you really got the impression that the crowd were really up for it, or certainly sort of way into this into the first half and for the rest of the game. And the commentators really remarked on the atmosphere because they, they were being a bit, um, well sarcastic about the lack of atmosphere in the season so far but once the game got going and I think once we got back into it 
uh, they they really acknowledged that the crowd did an awful lot. Is that true, Nigel? Because again, Ian and myself weren't there. I know people people told me it was a great atmosphere, but a lot of them who told me were actually reporting it from the television. What what was it like in your lofty perch up in two one three or wherever it is? I, I think um, I think it was the second half where it really exploded into life. Uh, the, the, the fans. I think we realised, you know, we needed to push them on to try and go for the win. And th- there was like a 15, 20 minute period where it seemed literally everyone was up. You know, we were up on that, on our feet upstairs. Cheering oh, really? On. That's not allowed. Well, oh, yeah, I know a few people did point it out and they got told, thank you very much for pointing yeah. that out. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure about people commentators being sarcastic about the atmosphere because actually we all know what the atmosphere is like there. It is poor at times. I've always maintained that a lot of the atmosphere comes from what you view on the pitch. If if what you view is rubbish, you ain't yeah. really going to want to get up and, and get behind the team at times. Um, but now... I think we proved that actually when the chips are down, the fans will stand up and back the team. And that's what they've done at the end of the day. Do you, do you not think that in the last few years at Upton Park, maybe more than that, uh, that, there was a pretty bad atmosphere in some games. If the team's playing terribly, and I mean really terribly, you're never going to get a great atmosphere anyway. And I think that there's a lot of mythology that goes on about the atmosphere at Upton Park. When we played well and when it was an evening game, you couldn't beat the atmosphere. But there were plenty of occasions when we didn't play well and frankly the crowd didn't get behind the team. Yes, uh, that, that, is, that is true. You can't go... You can't stand up and go, every game at the bowling was electric. You know, but the atmosphere at the bowling, atmosphere for me is not just the fans inside the ground, it's what goes on the outside walking up to the ground. And I yeah. think that kills no, a lot of people to, to begin with. You know, a lot of people got the problems with the surrounding area as well, and that cannot be fixed. So that dulls people. There's a lot of negativity about being in the stadium. Put out by people like me. I look, I'll hold my hands up and, and, and I'll admit to that. Yeah, yes, there were there were obviously there was games at the bowling when when if the team weren't performing well, the mm. um the, the fans were on their back. But we in the in the bowling where it was tight and narrow, if you had twenty thousand there, you could still get a bit of a a shift on. If if the you know the London Stadium, if you ever get to that situation where perhaps there's only 30, 35,000 there, I think it will be very flat. I think that's the diff. That's going to be the big difference. The we amount of space. Yeah, we might find yeah. out. We might be in the Championship. We're odds on, by the way, to <laughs> have for the Christmas curse. I do uh, think what, what Nigel said there about um, the atmosphere sort of around the stadium, and it's, he's right, you can't change that because it is a very, it's a sort of American atmosphere, isn't it? I don't know if you've ever been to um, an American soccer game and it felt, I, I've only been to one and it was quite some time ago, but it was in Washington and uh, DC United were playing somebody and, and it, it reminds me of how I felt at that game. And it is very, very different. And it's not the same. And it never will be because we all had our rituals, didn't we? I mean, I'd always yep. park my car in the same place, sort of at a garage on Barking Road. About a dozen black guys would look after it and and sort of clean it for me, uh, among other people. And they, they sort of became friends o- over the over the years. 
And then I remember that last game against Manchester United, and I thought, I'm never going to see them again. And that, that still upset there. me. I'm sure they are, but I mean, <laughs> when do I ever go up there? I drove I mean, past that, them that today. Kind of, that kind of upset me more than sort of the yeah. whole match experience in a way. And you sort of buy your programme from the same person. You go to Ken's Cafe and see the same people, some people who you've probably never even spoken to, but you recognise them. And it's never going to be like that um, at the London Stadium, is it? And I suppose we just have to get used to that. I don't know. I mean, in, in my blog, I still think that there's quite a lot of atmosphere we're next to away fans and I don't see so much of a difference, but but maybe... In, in your block, Ian, and I know in the upper tier, it's it's more sterile. Yeah, but your it, block's got even... the more vocal support, and they're also yeah. the first to turn on the board. Come on, let's be <laughs> honest. Sean, you know they're the first to turn around and tell people what they think of them. Yeah, yeah. So, agreed. You know, th- these people, they're trying to make the best of a bad lot, and I think that's what it is. Go on, Ian, you're going to say something. I, there is... I mean, around where I sit, which is like on the half, roughly on the halfway line, op- on the opposite side to the dugouts, and it's in the front row of the upper tier, and it's in the 1966 seats, which I suppose people think, oh, well, it's a bit posh, but it actually isn't. And there is a lot of a lot of chatter around me, more than chatter about sort of everything. But if there's a great atmosphere, everyone gets up. It's not one of those sort of areas where people just sit down, whatever. And it is the same sort of people that were at Upton Park, but I think there are some bits of the ground where it's sort of the, the tourist football fans who just want to come for a game. They're, they're not West Ham supporters particularly. And I don't know how many of them, I mean, if there's 57,000 people, how many of those aren't actually bona fide West Ham fans? Probably quite a few thousand. Uh, I mean, that that's the claim. I'm not, not sure it's uh, as big as a few thousand. Remember, there's about 50,000 season ticket holders 3,000 reserved for um, yeah, away well, I, fans. I know quite a few season ticket holders who are not West Ham fans. They do, they just want to see a Premier League game. A lot of them, several of them are Manchester United fans, and they just bought season oh. tickets because they want to see Premier League football. Well, they were within their rights to do so, I suppose. But it makes you a bit sick for all the West Ham fans that can't get season tickets. I, I would hope they're in the hundreds rather than the thousands, Ian. Well, I think, I think they're in the thousands. Well, who's not turning up then? Because let's be honest... There's thousands not turning up. You know, the club will have you believe there's fifty six and a half thousand every game. And no, that no, no. let you know, the Leicester game, I I'd I'd probably forty forty six thousand, forty seven thousand. Yeah. I mean I moved you know forward what? six rows. Six of us moved forward six rows and all sat in a line because it was that empty. The, the Premier League average is ten percent. So for us that would be about, you know, 5,700. 5, so we should be around 51,000. We are 51,000 for the A games, for, you know, the, the, the Arsenals, the Chelsea's, the Spurs. We, we do reach that, but we're not, you're right, we're around the 45, 47 for the B games. Anyway, I, w- I want to get on. Uh, we've talked about Leicester. Let's move on to um, Everton away, Goodison Park. Must have enjoyed that one, Ian. <laughs> Oh dear, Everton really are our bogey team, aren't they? I know we did beat them there a couple of seasons ago when we were 2-0 down, 1-3-2, but that never looked like happening, did it this time? What what a shambolic... Did you, did you settle down and watch it or did you give up at any point? I did watch it, but by the, by the beginning of the second half, 
you sort of want to do something else while you're watching it because I don't know about yeah. you, I, I can't, if I'm watching a football match on the television, if I'm not giving it my full attention, I just don't really follow what's going on. I can't sort of fiddle on my computer or do anything else. I yeah. have to actually concentrate. And that was a game where I just thought, please let this be over. <laughs> it was just awful. I'll be honest, I switched off after the third goal. Great third goal by Rooney. But I know you're a diehard fan, Nigel, and, and you were probably glued to it throughout. Give give us your view on, on what... Uh, Sam Allardyce is watching your good old mate. Uh, wh- why did the wheels fall off after a good performance? Um, Hughie was saying to me, you watch. And I'd written a blog that saying I wasn't, I wasn't full with optimism. I was worried... And everyone was saying, oh, you didn't watch the the uh, uh, Leicester game, which I didn't, by the way. It was a girlfriend's birthday, so I was out. And But you, the wheels fell off. After everybody telling me the Leicester game, we turned a corner. What went wrong, Nigel? Um, it's hard to put your finger on it, to be fair. The last few away games under Billich, West Ham had performed markedly better than they had. So away from home, we were playing better than at home. Um, that fell apart at Watford, David Moyes' first game. You could put that down to his bedding in. He's got to see how the players, a lot of players have been on international duty, so he didn't get to work with them. Then we went to the Leicester game, which we've done. The performance was better, but still not great. It's not gonna. It's not going to happen overnight for a start. Everton away against a team also struggling. They knew they'd gotten a new manager coming in. And, <coughs> excuse me, you know, we've seen it all before. It's hard to say, you know, I, I sit there and I go, well, I've seen this happen before. I, I, I don't know where to put my finger. Defensive, we have got a problem at the back. I really do believe. And attacking-wise, we are so bereft of decent attackers that it puts the pressure on the back. I mean, people were having a pop at Joe Hart. I don't know, that third goal, uh, look, I played in goal, nowhere near that standard. I ain't going to claim oh, I was really? semi-pro, but I was a goalkeeper, and you got to be mad to be in goal for a start, so I am mad. Um, but I can't see what else Joe Hart, he had to come and clear that ball, and he did it, and he cleared it the halfway line. That is a wonder goal from Wayne Rooney. He didn't even take a touch. Yeah. First time hit it. You know, and the third goal, bearing in mind we'd hit the bar, we had the penalty miss, you know, we were on top until that third goal went in. So, you know, there was a possibility. And as Moyes said, you know, he give he, he wouldn't put his name to the first half, but he definitely would put his name to the second half. You know, I can see what he's saying here because we were, we came out. We, we, look, we either look nervous or we, we look like we didn't care. I don't know which one it is. I don't want to say didn't care. I, I, I'd like to think that the players care. And whenever you talk to players and you throw that out of them, they naff get the ump. They naff get the ump and they go, no, we care. Of course we care. And so you'd like to think that they, they do care, that it is just, you know, Everton got their act together. I think, actually, it showed Everton was stupid to wire out of dice in the first place. <laughs> because if you look, you know, they've paid Fireman Sam is get out of jail wages. Nine they, million pounds for eighteen months. Jail by the now. Way. Why is that? Unsworth had won his only one home game. Yeah. Mm. He he plays another home game, beats us, then they play um Uddersfield at home, 
Now they're 10th in the table. Fireman Sam's banking 10 million, banking his 9 million for what? Yeah. They're not going down? Joke. Yeah. But that's yeah. their downfall, not ours. At least we ain't got him. I, I quite like David right. Mills. I'll just put that out there. I think there were several reasons why we didn't perform in the first half at Everton. One of them was playing Andre Ayew at centre-forward. He's not a centre-forward, never will be a centre-forward. The other one was playing Arnautovic on the right. Now, this guy has always played on the left. Uh, And if you have your centre-forward and one of your main attackers playing in the wrong position, don't be surprised if they don't perform. And when Sacco came on at half-time, I think that did change things. And I, I really would like to see Sacco start a few games now because I think he's looked as if he could perform quite well. I think at Man- against Manchester City when he came on, um, he he did okay. And it, excuse me, had he been on the had he been on the pitch for a lot longer, I think that chance he had at the end, he probably would have scored because that, that was a typical Sacco chance, and you kind of expect him to put those away. Yeah. Um... It was a low point, I must admit. After after the game, I was pretty depressed, uh, and and I saw that you know we were destined for relegation, um, and I was we were debating on our Facebook and uh, not Facebook on our WhatsApp group, um, on the more than just a podcast WhatsApp group, on whether we, <laughs> who who was going to go through the agony of watching the Man City game. Um, we all watched it in the end. I assume you watched it as well, Ian. Did you? Yep. And I mean that that was that was the first time I suppose that I saw any light at the end of the tunnel defensively, and I think that was partly due to Declan Rice. Whenever I've seen him play, which isn't very often, he's looked absolutely assured. And David Moyes, I thought rather unkindly in the post-match interview, slightly put gave him the blame for the second City goal. Um, I don't think any defender would have really been able to do much on that. But I thought defensively, for the first time this season, certainly throughout the first half, uh, we looked really, really good. Um, I thought Adrian had a really good game in goal. Um, Ogbonna looked okay for the first time for many games. It always helps when you get goal, I suppose. But defensively, he looked good as well. Um, Zabaleta looked good. I still wasn't wholly convinced by Cresswell. Um, I don't know what's happened to him, really, having gone from sort of being the player of the year. He's just, I don't know, not 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 the, not the races this season. But I thought defensively, if you keep, if you restrict City to very few chances in one half of football, you must be doing something right. And we did that in the first half. Indeed, we did it for much of the second half as well. So defensively, I think we can take a lot of solace from that game. I think David Moyes will have been a lot more optimistic at the end of that game than he was at the beginning of it. Nigel? I think I said I was, I'm a Sado masochist, so I'll watch it. Uh, you boys all laughed at me. So, um, you put, I think we sent you a picture. We put a rather fetching picture. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for that. Um, well, I mean, total different performance. You can see, in a way, perhaps the improvements we're making under Moyes. It's game by game, you can you can see the difference. It's hard. People say Man City weren't at the races. Oh, they weren't at their best. Was that because we didn't let them be at their best? But then when I read the stats to see that Man City had like 
78% possession or something stupid like that. You think, well, actually, perhaps they weren't at their best. But when, And when you defend with 10 men the way we did, it's obviously going to make it difficult. Now, the problem with that is the best teams will always break you down and take that chance where a team like West Ham playing against 10 men are never going to get through there in a million years. And I think that's the difference. Personally, with a game like Man City away, I'd prefer to have two up front and go for it because it's a bonus if you get any points, especially the way City are playing. At the end of the day, we walked away with nothing the same as what we'd have walked away if we'd have had two up front and actually gone at them. Because I think if you'd have gone at them, nobody's going at them. That's the thing with Man City. They're all trying to play the same as we did. Oh, let's contain them. Let's let's not, you know, let them have the ball, but pack the the, the box out. And yet they're still picking their way through the games, aren't they? And defensively, so, they they aren't too hot either, particularly from set pieces. Uh, and we had we had quite a few chances in that game. Certainly four yeah. or five good chances, yeah. and we only put one of them away. We could have easily had another couple, and of course, it would have been a very different result there. So I, I think we can take a lot away from that performance. Yeah, yeah. No stat attack. Stat attack. Seventy-seven percent possession. For Man City, obviously, that means we had 23. They had 24 shots, eight of them on target, while we had seven shots, four on target. So that that tells you all you need to know as um, as the dog joins in on the podcast. <laughs> That's the most sense I've heard all season. <laughs> he obviously disagreed with, with the stats. I'm not a fan of stats. Uh, Adrian, though, showed... I mean, it's going to be tough, isn't it, to put Hart back in after Adrian's performance, Ian? I, it's a difficult decision for Moyes because um, I I don't think Hart has played badly for us. I don't think he's been brilliant so far. But um, how do you drop the guy that holds the England number one shirt? Now, I, I suspect that that might not be a, a permanent arrangement. I think Jason Pickford uh, may well get that shirt for the World Cup. But, but it is quite a difficult one. But Adrian really put a challenge in. I, I thought he played really well. Um, he had one of those rushes of blood to the head late on where he nearly got, he could have easily got sent off if that had been a bit further near, near, near the goal. He's done that so many times, but um, his shot stopping was superb um, in the city game and he did all that was asked of him. Yeah. Uh, Nigel. Uh, the, the man, <coughs> don't matter how you get your chance. If you're given the shirt and you perform like that for me, um, you deserve to keep your shirt. Yeah. So for me, I'd keep Adrian. You know, it's, it could be a bit harsh on Hart, but at the end of the day, Hart's last game was Everton, <laughs> yeah, four, and Adrian's last game was Man City, only two. <laughs> so therefore, on that basis, again, I would still. I'd, I would, and, and another reason as well is at the end of the day, Joe Hart is only here on loan. For me. When we signed him, he made no attempt to say, oh, I'm coming here to make a point and hopefully I'll stay longer. It was like, as almost as if, well, I'm coming here, I'm going to do the season and then I'll see where I'll go. Where, you know, Adrian is our goalkeeper and I'd rather have someone like that than than Joe Hart, to be fair. A bit mercenary, in my opinion. All right, something more close to your heart. Sabaletta. Um, as captain, or stick with <laughs> Noble or, or Reed. 
Well, me. Well, I'd st- look if Bart Noble yeah. walks on the pitch, he's got to be captain. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. Yeah, I agree with that. I think okay. even at his age, doesn't seem as though Noble's going to get a game though, does it? No, if he's no. not on the pitch, then I I would give it to Winston Reid as he's been there the longest. You know, yeah. So if they're not there, I can't see why you can't give it to Zabaleta. But for me, if Noble's on the pitch, he is the club captain. End of. Okay. Well, that let's move on uh, from uh, the game of football on the pitch to what's been happening off the pitch. Let's start with Wissa. Um, you've got some news. Where you've stepped down, haven't you, Nigel? I I read. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I didn't realise we was going to talk about this till you put it up now. <laughs> um, thanks for that. Uh, yeah, I'd, I've resigned from the committee, yes. Do you, do you want to use this forum to explain your reasons or, or are they staying confidential? Um, the, the, there was a, a, a difference of opinion on the way forward. And... Um, you know, some people can say I'm hot-headed or or, or what. Um, uh, if I believe in something and I believe something's wrong, um, then th- look, a vote was had over a decision. The vote didn't go my way. I thought they made the big mistake. That's up for them to deal with. And what was it about? The only way to go was for me to resign because in the day, it's a difficult thing to. It, it was it was about the way forward for Wissa and the dealings with the club. That's that's why, and there, there was all other things tied in with it. And I, to be honest, look, I, I've had difficulties with people in Wissa from day one, and it just it just got me down. To be honest, I just you know. I so two other two them. other committee members have resigned. The chairman has stepped down as chairman, but still on the committee. And there's a new chairman called Mark Walker, I understand. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, people can read into that whatever they want. And, and I'll let them. But I'll tell you what, um, why don't we try and get Mark Walker on the podcast and he can say in his own words what his future, well, yeah, I, what I, his I mean, vision the, of the future is. The disagreements I had had nothing to do with Mark. Mark's a new member on the committee and I, I wish him the best of luck. I think we still need it. Um, I hope that they can go on to achieve what, you know, at the end of the day, Sean, this was just something me and you were close to our arts. And the reason I stuck around is because it is close to my art, you know, but at the end of the day, once, as soon as you get committees involved in these things, you have to give up any control that you, you dreamed you could have. Yeah. And it was obvious to me that perhaps I, I was um, fighting against the tide so I, I wish them, I do wish them the best of luck. I'm still a member, you know, they haven't got rid of me. I'll still turn up the meetings if I want and I'll tell them what I think. So, but, I, you know, I just don't get to, to, to make the decisions on the way future. That's up to them. Okay, well, that's, let's leave that there. We won't put you on the spot anymore. Uh, there was a bloggers meeting. Um, I couldn't make it. I know Ian, you couldn't make I've it either. I've never been to one because I can't. Um, they, and your they, representative they couldn't make it, Ian. Doing my radio show, so I, I've never been. Yeah. Well, what does that tell you, Ian? <laughs> they don't like me. 
<laughs> well, I did. I did offer my seat to Nigel. Did I not, Nigel? You did, you did offer your seat to me. Yes, um, but uh, having been someone that sat in various meetings with Karen Brady, and the way I feel now um, about them, there's no no point in me being. Well, I was doing my one man boycott. I was boycotting the bloggers' meeting. Well done. <laughs> But plenty went on, um, and uh, obviously the various. It was a smaller group, I understand, with uh, KUMB, Gordon Frower, and uh, Sex Drugs, um, Carton Cole, and uh, ex West Ham employee, with the people from uh, West Ham uh, Fan TV. Uh, you had a little bit to say on that. You you blogged for Hammers Chat afterwards, didn't you? I did, Nigel. Yes, I did blog for Hammers Chat. Yeah, because it's an it's difficult when you go in these meetings and I, and I can understand that they can't put everything down that's been said. And also when you go to these meetings and take notes and you're writing up an article off of their notes, you, you do miss things and whatever. The first people to go up were uh, on West Ham way was sex and drugs, Colton Cole, which I think his name's Kevin. I pulled a questioned his article and, and not so much I used his article to question what Karen Brady had said in that there were certain things there that she said that in a way, she, I hope she was questioned further on. Things about, he put in the article, the, the, the big one, no, it's not a big one, it actually it's a stupid one, the statue, does it stay, does it go? They put in their article, Karen said, their club want it to come and they're investigating where to put it. Well, they know where they're going to bloody put it. They've built the bloody plinth for it. So <laughs> now my argument here is, and where I say to these people is, if you've walked into that meeting and she says that, surely you should know whether she's saying the right things or not. When I went into a meeting with Karen Brady, I'd, I'd done my own work. So if she said something, and I, you know I had run-ins with her. It's that I would I listen do. to what she would say. I was there half yeah, the time and, you had run-ins with her. That's it, and I would question her on what she was saying to see if it stood the test because a lot of what she said didn't stand the test. So, you know, it's... You should have gone, Nigel. Well, you know, as a couple of people did say to me, oh, why don't you go? And listen, I walk in there, they say, what do you want? I go, listen, I want you and your two mates to get out of this club. You have absolutely destroyed it. And what's she going to say to me? Do you know what? I, I will tell you, right? And I've been to two of the bloggers' meeting. I didn't go to this one, but I, 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 you know, I talked to people, a number of people who went to this bloggers' one. There's usually nothing but respect, and you know, I know that some of the people who go um, sometimes they have harsh things to say, including KUMB and West Ham Fan TV. But I can tell you, in the two meetings I attended, there's nothing but respect for Karen. She usually can give as good as she gets anyway. If someone does. Uh, get arsy with her. Yeah. Um, no, I know that. But, I feel but, but there fun. isn't. There, oh, I should eat our respect. They don't. <laughs> I've had. A they t- don't say, "Oi, you and your two mates, get out of our club." In, in reality, no one says that. They, you know, they're invited there because they're constructive in in their criticism, and they try and give feedback from the fans. Um, when the article, I decided on I this case. Any constructive criticism. And, and, uh, the bit the the bit I've corrected today because there was talk about finances, which maybe they got slightly wrong is, you know, I, I, my understanding, I clarified on a Clarence Hugh article today is, you know, they've got an overdraft for 50 million. They've drawn down 25. 
it's a, a 6.25% or, or um, interest. They, they're going to call another 15 million off in January. Obviously, that's when they're going to have around about 30 million available. Um, that um, the uh, shareholder loans have reduced to about 45 million. Uh, the interest is reduced to 4.25% um, from 6 to 7%, which is good on, on those shareholder loans. Uh, and they're on target very soon to announce record turnover for last season, 180 million turnover. But the, the wages at the same time have risen to 95 million. Um, you know, we're in a lot better position we were. But as I've said before, and I've said to you, Nigel, we're cash poor. We still need to borrow money from an overdraft because we're cash, we're cash poor. We still haven't got lots of cash in the business. And as Ian will know, being a business owner, your lifeline is cash, isn't it, Ian? Well, it is. Cash flow is king. If, if you can't pay your bills, uh, you, you can never make a profit. Everyone think I think you talked about this on the podcast last time or some, some podcast I listened yeah. to recently where people saying, well, profit doesn't actually matter in the long doesn't. run. It, it's actually cash flow that's the most important thing. And, and it, re- it genuinely is. And I mean, I, I run a fairly small business, a publishing company, and nobody ever makes any, any money out of publishing books. And, and it is... Uh, on a month-to-month basis, sometimes you, you are thinking, well, we need to have a bestseller, otherwise we can't pay the bills. I need to write that book then. <laughs> you do. <laughs> you do. I know a publisher. <laughs> it, 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 is, it is interesting, though, that, um, I mean, going off, off subject a, a little bit, but football books actually are quite good because obviously most of the things I publish are political books, but we do do some sport books. And we've done a few West Ham ones. Um, Brian Williams has uh, got a new one out by him, um, Home, uh, what's it called? Uh, I can't even remember. He's got a dream in it because he sent Something me a like copy. That. That was the previous one, I think, just like my dreams. Um, but it's, it's going to kill you that you can't so, remember the name. Know, I'm going to have to look it I'm up. Gonna to, I'm gonna, I am, I'm looking up as we speak. <laughs> it's actually a really good book because he, he, he's, he's sort of from the Nigel Khan school of the yeah, Olympic Stadium. Can't, can't stand it. Um, and he's a really good writer. They're very funny. Um, but it's... Some of these football books can do really, really well. We did a one by a guy called Ben Smith called Journeyman, and he played for about 12 lower league sides. And it's a really sort of in-depth look at what it's like to be a lower league football. Nearly reached very the sky. And very emotional. That's the one. And um, that that's that was in the top of the Amazon football charts for like three months. I couldn't believe it. I'm thinking, well, why can't we do with this with political books? Um, but, and, that, and that sort of that sort of thing. Well, it's not boring. You know, it's not boring. You listen to my radio show and you love That's, it. That is, <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah, I do listen. <laughs> and Brian's new book is Home from Home: A West Ham Supporter's Struggle to Reach the Next Level because he he sits up in the gods like you, Nigel. There you go. You got your plug in now. Um, I, I, just before we move on to the more Stevens report, which was all what was going on Friday and over the weekend, Nigel, you, you've raised your eyebrow. I, I didn't go to the bloggers meeting. I did go to the SAD meeting. Uh, a report's just come out on that, which you, you said made you a bit sick. Yes, it did. I, I read the club put out a report today um, in, in regards to the, the wonderful workings of the SAB and what it can achieve, and how everything's wonderful, and it's just garbage, to be fair. Um, you know, a lot of this happens behind the scenes, 
that, that you know, and a lot of it is just well, I'm trying to think of a polite word. Guff, I think, is a is a nice word I like to use. They're basically claiming some of those things were talked about. To be fair, obviously, I was at that meeting. Most of these things were talked about. Some of them have been maybe added on uh, after the creation of the real West Ham group. Yeah, I mean, look, let, and this, this is the thing. Let's let's get this right. The, 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 down to the creation of the real West Ham fans Facebook uh, pressure group, action group, yeah. whatever we call them, uh, there's been a noticeable change of tact towards the fans by the club. Uh, and, in my opinion, down towards the way they look at other fan groups as well. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um a noticeable change of tact. Now, if long-term, if this is good, then all, all well and good. I'm very susceptible with their reasoning behind it. Now, some people can say, well, look, at least they're changing tact. Me, I'm cynical, I think. Do you know what? The, the bit about the Memorial Gardens, Sean, you know, we did this a year ago. I went down there and pulled reeds out with my Yeah, hand. yeah, no, we've been running and stories about We, we gave the brain. club 48 hours to do something and they did nothing. Yeah. And then we published a video that shamed them into sending yeah, people down. You filmed, yeah. Yeah, and then a year later, it it took the, 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 the real fans to go down there again and then all of a sudden the club are turning up. Oh, let's do a bit of weeding and whatever. So... That's why I'll take it with a pinch of salt because I've been there, seen it, done it. I've seen the way they they, they turn up, give it all the, the fanfare, and then they just walk away again and hoping no one notices. And this is the thing. They keep getting caught out time and time again with these things. So Yeah, and, and you know, the commitment to uh, ensure... Berlin Ground's rich heritage and history yeah. is recognised at locations around the London Stadium. Wonderful. Uh, was one I I must have missed on the evening. Let's just say. Yeah. Well, we know why that's been brought in. 
because yeah. of, you know because of the pressure from outside. It's... But the sponsorship of the Hammer Supporters Club, you know, was discussed. The trial of the away ticket was discussed, and the coverage of Sky Sports but before the now, game is at halftime was discussed. All right, that's good. The away ticket allocation was this not done a year ago? Or, or two years ago, where it was pointed out to the club, we knew they were shortchanging the away fans and the allocations they were taking. And they give it the old, oh, don't worry, we're going to take the full allocations. And then all of a sudden, it gets highlighted again. Wissa did a lot of work on this, to be fair. And, yeah. and they were emailing and pointing out to the head of ticket in Aston Villa fan, Nicola Key, that you're not taking the full allocation, take the full allocation. Now, I can tell you the emails we were getting back we're like, well, we're doing what we can. And then all of yeah. a sudden, bang, they magic up the other thousands for Arsenal. They take the 400 that they were shortchanged on Stoke. Why did they do that? Because this action group turns up, 8,000 people sign up, the club are running scared. And that's my point of view on that. I think they are. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we'll see what, what becomes of that. Let's let's move on to the news on, on Friday. Um I'd been given some preview of it was going to be published that day and that really E20 would cease to exist. Um, but, you know, there's a 160-page report, um, a lot of political game playing on on Friday from the Moore Stevens report. Now, um, let's start with Ian. Ian, what was your, your take on the report? I don't know if you've read it or I assume you've read the reports, if nothing else. Well, I tried to read the full thing, but of course it wouldn't download from the uh, mayor's website, so I haven't I haven't read the full thing. Um, it was a very very political report. You're absolutely right, and if you if you read the press release that Sadiq Khan put out, it was all Sadiq this, Sadiq this. Not not the mayor of London, but Sadiq. He's obviously trying to become B- Boris. And he was putting the entire blame on Boris Johnson. And, and there is yeah. some blame to be put on to Boris Johnson. That is true. But what, what about all the people advising Boris Johnson, all, all the people within the GLA and the mayor's office who did all the negotiations? Because let's not pretend it's, it's not the mayor that does all this sort of thing. No. What, what they didn't point out, as far as I can see, the, re- the real people, that if the taxpayer wants to have a go at anyone, it's not Boris Johnson. He inherited all of this. It's actually Ken Livingston and Tessa Jowell. Because if they hadn't, two people who know very little about football, I think, and I mean, I'm not going to speak too ill of Tessa Jowell, because she's actually quite a good friend of mine. She's very, very ill at the moment. So I shall temper what I say. But if they hadn't gone with this ridiculous athletics legacy right from the beginning, um, we wouldn't be in this position. Most people thought that in the end, if the stadium was to have any feature, it needed to be adapted for football. They took no notice of that whatsoever. And that is the reason why the taxpayer has been landed with a massive bill. Everyone should actually be grateful to West Ham for taking it over in the first place because um, there wasn't exactly a lot of competition. I know Tottenham wanted to, but they would have knocked the whole thing down. And Yes, a lot of taxpayers' money has been spent on it. And yes, West Ham did get a good deal. But they have got the deal. It's a, it's a contract. Um, it's legally enforceable. And if anyone is trying to, at some point, suggest that West Ham should be sort of, I don't know, it should be renegotiated, renegotiated or anything, I trust Karen, Karen Brady will tell them where to go. I'm sure she will. Um, I mean, my point, uh, and I've been accused even today of, you know, playing the opposite political game uh in in favor of of my as as people say my tory friends um 
that, you know, I, I suppose if you go back before Friday, Sadiq Khan was still the majority owner of the stadium. When he took power in May 2016, the LLDC were running the stadium. It was, wasn't Sir Robin Wales. It wasn't um, Newham. LLDC were in charge. Who do they report to? They report to the London mayor. So he's had this since May. I understand the club tried to approach him in the past and he said, I've got more important things than the London Stadium. Now, that might be true. He said, you know, terrorism is my number one priority. And we would agree with that. Um, But to play the political games he did on Friday and then jump on a plane and go off to India without even booking a, a meeting with West Ham. Well, hang, hang on a minute. I, I'm no great fan of Sadiq Khan, but I think that's a bit rich to say, oh, he jumped on a plane to India. That trip has been organised for months. What was he supposed to do? Cancel it on the basis of... Well, of well, do you know what? He could spend more... Stadium. He could spend more time then just before he... Before, rather than doing every interview he could before he jumped on the plane, he could have he could have said, OK, to West Ham, let's, let's start talking or let's book in a meeting in the new year when we can sit down. Well, what are they going to talk about, Sean? Well, they're going to talk about... Well, <laughs> it's a good point. Because is there any room for negotiation? Because if you look at the E20, so quietly on Friday, by the way, and I'm sure if you've read the Clarence Hugh blog, you will see this. They quietly released, at the same time of all this public talking, they released the E20 accounts. And in those E20 accounts, tucked away in a little column, says, going concern, LLDC do not say that they're going to carry on funding E20 unless they can renegotiate some of these onerous contracts. So basically, they're putting a threat there that they may pull funding in the next 12 months if people, including the operators, um, um, you know, renegotiate the contracts. The real what problem ha- here, though... What happens then? Well, <laughs> Well, then it becomes really messy because... West Ham, Karen Brady has written in clauses which mean not only the LLDC guarantee the lease, but the government backs the lease, whoever they pass the asset on to. So the government's on the hook, whatever. And if West Ham starts suing them, and they can under the contract, we could be talking compensation worth hundreds of millions. You know, if West Ham then go out and hire um, Wembley Stadium or somewhere else, um, the government could end up foot in the whole bill do you not think the um, sensible thing here is for uh the the for Sadiq Khan and the government or whoever else to say to West Ham okay how much will you pay us to take the stadium and actually own it isn't that a sensible way forward it is but at the moment my understanding is West Ham don't want it this is a this is a um stadium or a business losing 20 million it will lose 24 million pound this year it cost they mitted first time in the press report 11.8 million pound to move the seating over the summer now that will reduce because it was the world athletics ditch that i mean we don't need to i mean if west ham took take it over surely that they wouldn't have any of those costs because it would never be used for athletics again it would be used for whatever west ham wanted to be used for (laughs) well i think i think built to use the athletics ian i'm sorry it's an athletic stadium it's a bit of a piss money. Oh, so we're going to sit in an athletic stadium that does an old athletic. So we're in a second-class football stadium 
because we're supposed to share it with athletics and all of a sudden we kick athletics out. So what the hell are we doing there then? This is, this is, see, to pick you up on what you said, do you know what? I don't, Ken, I wish we'd never won the Olympics. Uh, uh, You can blame, I wish Ken Livingston had gotten his way and it would have been a 25,000 athletics. They could have stuck a rugby team in there. Perhaps Wasps could have gone there, London Wasps instead of going. It doesn't really matter. We are where we are. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. So, but if we're playing the blame game, I can give a monkeys about the politicians. You know, the, the three people took us there. They signed those deals, and he saw they did a a good job as well. They got they got a fantastic deal. Good job. Uh, No, listen, West Ham Business Club got a fantastic deal. I don't support West Ham Business Football Club. I support West Ham Football Club. Football fans have been shortchanged massively by going to that stadium. It's a dearer experience. They've hiked the prices up of the food and the drink now. And, and all around the circles. Well, they, don't, they don't have any control over that, do they? That's part of but the problem. That's the thing. Yeah, but well, they do have control over it. There is a there's a London uh, comparable clause, which means they can't put the price of pies or beers more than comparable clubs. So they they're compared against. I'm talking about um, around Arsenal, the outside. Um, we didn't have to buy a pie inside. We could have gone down Erkins and bought a pie. A far <laughs> sight after price to what West Ham are charging. You try and do that outside the stadium. They're charging yeah, okay, the same prices okay. outside the stadium as what they charge inside. They've but done we the are where we, They've took us We are there. where we are. Essentially, the stadium operators are in the... Well, they soon will be in administration, I, I would have thought. So what happens then? It's not, We're it's not the operators. It's always clear that people make stake, the operators and the owners. The operators are French company, Vinci, London Stadium 185. They, by the way, make a gross profit of £5 million a year. Their contract is onerous because they're making money while the owners lose money. The stadium owners, E20 Stadium, are the one that lose £24 million pounds while the operators sacking, make £5 million. Pounds. Whoever signed those it, deals on behalf of the government needs sacking and any bonuses need to be taken back and, and, and they should be never, ever given a job again. Because as a taxpayer... <laughs> Yeah, and, and I, I include Newham Council in that. They've spunked oh, well, 52 million They are in deep pounds. trouble. They are in deep trouble. This is what I'm saying. I, I, he already wasted money. Robin in Wales, he wouldn't yeah, have a bright In feet. London docks. I'll tell you, if, he, if this is the end of him, I'll be so pleased. I know I don't live in Newham, but I'm a Newham boy, born and brought up, and I lived there for 35 years, and my family still live there, and it is my home, no matter the fact that I don't live there now. I will be glad to see. He's a West Ham fan, though, Nigel. He's, he's, oh yeah, I, I'd imagine growing up in Scotland, he dreamed of supporting West Ham as a kid. <laughs> I bet he, he, bet he couldn't wait to come down. You know, Mister British Telecom Engineer, who's now a knight. Yeah. Well, let, let, get just that? about Newham. Yeah. Just about Newham. This just Newham invested forty million pound. They were giving what's called working capital for the last two years. £12.2 million, so £52.2 million they've invested now. They, after July, refused to put any more money in, which has been causing a problem ever since, and that's why there was threats of administration. In the end, they did a deal with LLDC. Some of it is not all public domain, so some of it we can't talk about, uh, to walk away. Yeah, well, with legacy and community benefits for the next hundred years. Politicians looking after politicians. Politicians have realised it's all gone wrong. We've copped it up. We shouldn't have done that deal. And now they've looked at Newham. Bearing in mind, Newham borrowed that money off a central government, the 40 million. 
to begin with that was payable back over 40 years. So the, the central government would have been out of pocket with Newham straight away because Newham ain't gonna, are just going to turn around and go, well, we, we can't pay that money back. It's all- I'm not sure they can. Ian, Ian, from a political point of view, where, where is Robin Wales and, and Newham, do you think, in, in this fiasco? Well, I, I mean, I just don't know. Uh, they're obviously trying their best to get out of it, to distance themselves. But I think it's quite difficult when, when you've got those sorts of figures involved. But I mean, Newham's never going to vote anything other than Labour. And this, this is where local government is rotten to the core, because you've got Tory councils all over the country that have been in power for 60 years. You've got Labour councils that have been in power for 60 years. And when you get that, you get corruption. Now, I'm not accusing Robin Wales of corruption at all, but that there is no doubt that there were decisions made there which should not have been made on behalf of the citizens of Newham, and he ought to be held accountable for those. Hmm. Yeah, it, it is. It, I think I think he's he's uh, he's in a tricky position, um, and I think Nigel, you picked up because you're an, a Newham boy that that there are residents who, who plan to meet and, and to hold him to account. Is that right? Well, uh, yeah, I've seen things in some of the Newham groups. I'm on, that, 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 you know, they've woken up to the fact that, you know, there's a possibility that there's £52 million black hole that needs accounting. Mm. Bearing in mind, he sold the deal to the people of Newham off of the back that this is going to be good, this is going to give Newham an income. It was almost as if he set Newham Council up as a business and that they were going to reap the profits. Well, well, and that's one of the things in the report. The business case was flawed. I mean, by the way, they had they had the stadium tours making one and a half million alone per year. That's how how bad the business case was. Well, um, again, but that going comes forward, down to the people that drew that up, then and it name them, shame them, fire them, take their well, money back off of them. Which you know what? Part of the person who's been leading this for the last three or four years has been David Goldstein, uh, Goldstone who's the CEO of LLDC. He leaves this month to double his money. He's going to the MOD as head of procurement. You're kidding um, me. You are kidding me. No, he's, he's, he's got a £500,000. Uh, he gets 250000 roughly at the LLDC. He doubles his money, gets £500,000 to go to the MOD. Uh, they still haven't appointed a new CEO. The old chairman left of LLDC some time ago. Uh, the chap from... Uh, TFL came in, Sir Peter uh, Henry, Hendy, yeah. uh, Hendy, um, and they're the ones. That, so, so Sir Peter and 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 whoever comes in the new CEO will be the new brooms that need to. When, when, to when Boris Johnson first became mayor of London, um, I wrote him a note and I said, you know, what you need to do on day one is get rid of Peter Hendy when he was running TFL because he is somebody who will essentially implement Ken Livingstone's policies throughout your mayoralty. And he didn't do it, and I was proved absolutely right. And now, of course, he's got this sinecure as well. It's, it's the same, you know, this happens, sorry, I'm getting political here, but this happens all throughout government. You look at the guy who's been made head of Ofcom now, so uh, Terry Burns, who used to be permanent secretary at the Treasury. He's had so many of these positions uh, and you think, well, how do they get them all? It is just the old boys' network, and it it's absolutely stinks. Yeah. So here's my solution, guys. My solution is very simple. You move Athletics to Birmingham. You give West Ham the naming rights uh, to sell. Uh, they give the first three million back to the owners. 
and you also throw the French operators out and let West Ham manage the stadium uh, instead of French operators for half the price. All right, dig it in. Uh, right. Overnight, overnight, that makes a loss-making stadium into a cost-neutral stadium overnight. How does that benefit fans? Go. Benefit who? Fans. fans. It 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 gives us more control over the stadium because we will we don't have to go if we want to increase capacity we do if we want to change something in the stadium we do because we become the operator with agreement of the owner agreed but it becomes a far bigger oh, so, let's be honest so we can why haven't we further forward then well if we want to and fill gaps in why do you but think we have a new road capacity? who's going to pay for it we won't need to do that. Why have we not you built do, new capacity? The roof covers all the seats. If you move seats further forward to be nearer the pitch, you've got to extend the roof. That would mean well, the old people roof have got wet before. <laughs> to be uh, honest, but Premier League rules say the roof has to cover all the. Uh, all Is the that seats. true? Is there a Premier League that yeah. actually says that? That's why they had to extend the roof because they oh were pushing God. the seats further forward. But Sean, are you are you saying that if the government or the LDC or whoever said to David Sullivan, David Gold, look, we want to hand you this stadium, you've got to take it over and run it and you will own it. Now, there'll be a huge outcry from people saying, oh, yeah. West Ham getting something for nothing again. But the to me, that's the only way that this stadium can ever really be run properly when it's actually run by West Ham. Are you saying that David Sullivan, David Gold wouldn't be interested in that? Yeah, as it stands really? now, without... Without getting extra money, I can characterly tell you that that they wouldn't accept it without subsidy. They'd run it though, wouldn't they? They would run it absolutely. Make a profit. Run the stadium, but they wouldn't take the stadium. So who would they pay their rent to? The the West Ham pay their rent to the. No, they wouldn't pay rent. (laughs) No, come on! You can't pay rent to yourself. This is even worse, isn't it? It's quite funny, isn't it? So they got the stadium for nothing. Yeah, West Ham Business stadium. Club, mate. I tell you, it's money for old rope. It's a solution. It's, it's a solution. solution. It ain't a solution because it don't push the seats forward. It don't fill the gaps up behind. It don't improve anything fan-wise. What I, I tell a lie, we'll get the shells that she said she'd put up. Um, and we'll get the claret tarpaulin. Yeah, and the claret the tarpaulin. Well, if they can move the seats forward, they wouldn't need the claret tarpaulin. But I've got an idea about the claret tarpaulin. Go on. Well, why don't they pull up the green one? This will save the LLDC money. Pull the on, green then. mat up. Pull it well, up. Because there's just plastic underneath. Well, no, there's a running track under there that's claret. No, there's not. No, no, there's a plastic. You know the stuff they put down for concerts? Well, it's a different plastic. It's white. Well, there you go, then. Job done. And they did threaten to do that at one point. (laughs) You know, all this green matting. Let's get this right. Why is the the matting green? Because West Ham wanted it, so it didn't show the gap between the pitch and and the stands. It would try and disguise it. That's why it was green. It was something West Ham wanted. Then all of a sudden they go, they realise that it makes the pitch look longer and we keep kicking it out for a throw when the opposition don't seem to have that trouble on the same pitch. Let's have a claret round the outside. Mate. So, Ian, do you have a solution? Well, you've rather scotched my solution because <laughs> my solution was for West Ham to take it over yeah, and they, effectively it, buy it for a pound. I'm not saying never, but in the current format, 
with athletics and everything else. Yeah, no, take I know that for a fact the answer I mean, that, surely they are in the driving seat now. If they said, look, we're happy to take this over, we're not going to have any athletics anymore, we're not going to pay all this money for the seats to be taken out and put back and all the rest of it, we want to operate this as a proper football stadium, uh, we want control over it, we want to employ the stewards ourselves, we want to do the catering and have total control, and this is, this is how we're going to do it. Surely that is a conversation they ought to be having with whoever. Yeah, but, it's but not UK a Athletics have got a well, UK Athletics have got a legal contract as well. You see, oh, have they? Yeah, so well, you know they're the anchor tenants. They've got, they've, got, they've got a better tenancy right than West Ham. They've got a fifty-year contract with a option for another fifty years. By the way, West Ham were concessionaires. I, I thought we didn't have to to do anything for another four years or something. So there wasn't going to be another. Yeah, that's for a major one. But athletics every year, do you know how much they pay? Their rent is thirty-seven thousand pounds a year. That's how much athletics pay. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, change change the subject. It's depressing. That's right. They need to go because they took us down that path. Everything goes back to them. That's well, why they're very careful what you wish for because if they go, yeah, don't don't we've done this before. I, don't I know, I know, and I've listened to you, and, and it's a load of bollocks, because if if they go, you're going to get some Ukrainian oligarch come in who won't give a tuppany monkey about West Ham. I don't care, mate. They've killed the club. No, the the thing is, what, what's going to happen now is, until they go, you're going to have fan upset after fan upset, because the old farts like me and the dinosaurs that have still got 20, 30, 40 years left of supporting them will always forever hold it against them. And that's why they need to go because it's not going to go away until they're gone. And West Ham will never for be for them United to go. Again. Someone needs to buy them. There's no one queuing up to buy them. Someone's not queuing up because they want stupid money for it, which sums them up, in my opinion. So now you want them to give it away, yeah? No, not give it away. Sell it at a proper price, not eight hundred million or six hundred million. Give them the three hundred million. They've made a profit. Go count your money in your counting house. And leave us to get on with watching a football team or what's left of it, in my opinion. Right, on that note, we're going to say this. Facebook, Twitter, question time. Yet, Facebook, Twitter, question time. Sean Hawkins says, heard a rumour that Rafa has agreed to be our manager next year. Maybe why Moyes was only given a short-time contract. If this is true, will he manage us next season? If not Rafa or Moyes, then who? Still think we're going down. £20 spent in January just isn't enough. Um, Nigel, Rafa? Um, Rafa Nadal. I don't know about Rafa (laughs) Benitez. (laughs) You're not a big fan of Rafa, are you, Ian, either? No, I'm not. Um, I, I've read a couple of Liverpool players' uh, books about, and they they don't speak too highly of him, although other, others do. I just think he'd be incredibly expensive. Don't particularly like the way his teams play football. I don't. Uh, um, you know, I'm I'll not. Tell you what, anything though, he wins trophies. He is mm. a winner. You, at Chelsea, yeah. UEFA Cup, Liverpool Champions League, FA Cup, as we know. I I don't think anything's been decided yet, so I'm going to cut it there. I have Keith Reid says. So. Yeah, all right. Well, let's see him doing the business. Keith Reed says, if we're bottom at Christmas, we're in big trouble. No way we will get value for money in the January transfer window. Uh, and who would want to sign for us? Um, well, that's a statement of the bleeding. Do you think we'd be bottom at Christmas, Ian? 
I, I think we probably will be bottom at Christmas. But I mean, saying we're in big trouble. Well, thanks for that insight. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean. It, it, just because you're bottom at Christmas doesn't automatically mean you're going to go down. I still can't believe that with this squad, we are going to go down. And I think, as we said earlier, that we have seen a bit of light at the end of the tunnel with the performance of Manchester City. I think we'll learn a lot from the Chelsea match. I really do. Um, and I think we maybe do a performance there. It's going to be very interesting to see. That, I don't know whether we're going to come on to this a bit later, sort of uh, what, what kind of team he's going to put out against Chelsea. But I think we, we can go into that with a little yeah. bit of optimism. Yeah. Uh, Gary Prince says, we need nine wins from our remaining 23 matches. Do you think Moyes will do it considering he's only managed two wins in his previous 23 matches? Ian? Well, you'd have to hope so. Um, I mean, we've got to get to the 40 points and it's difficult to see where we're going to get a huge amount of points between now and Christmas. We've, I mean, OK, we've got three home games, so you, you would expect to get something from that. And is it Stoke away as well? Um, so yeah. it, it's difficult to... We do tend to do better against top teams, don't we? And we did beat Chelsea, let's remember, at the London Stadium last year. Okay, it was a League Cup, but that was a fantastic night. I think it's the best atmosphere there's been there so far. And um, if, if, if he picks the right team, plays with a striker, let's hope Sacco gets a start this time. And uh, I, I don't know what the news is on Antonio, Sean, but uh, he, again, I thought really changed the team against Manchester City. Yeah. Uh, he, he showed something. Okay, he was played out of position as well, but I thought he looked really good and he, he'll need a few games to get back, but hopefully his injury will, won't preclude him from playing on Saturday. Do you, do you know anything about that? I, I haven't asked, to be honest, and uh, but I will. I will find out. And We rely on you. I know. <laughs> I know. I've been looking at finances and other things and upsetting... Um, People on Twitter today with my my uh, my messages about um, Sadiq Khan, which didn't go down too well. Welcome to my world. <laughs> I know. Andy Quinn says, I think with a run to Christmas, we'd be lucky to pick up five points in the next four games. I predict we will draw with Chelsea and Stoke, a cheeky win against Newcastle and a loss to Arsenal. Then I think we'll go on a run in the new year uh, and pick up points. We have Bournemouth twice, Spurs, West Brom, Huddersfield, Palace, Brighton and Watford. Uh, if we can get to mid-February with 32 points, I think we scrape through the last uh, 11 games. Uh, the worrying part <laughs> for me is Mr. Khan has picked, and he's not talking about you, has taken a crusade to carve a new deal for the GLL by single-handing putting Boris to the sword. This only can end badly for us as a major concession holder. More, more purpose use, less moving the seats and higher rent. Time for a new investor and new ground to go with a new manager, perhaps. I don't know. I, I think, going back to Ian, is we don't have to do anything. We can just sit there with our arms folded and say, we've got a deal. Why do we need to negotiate? Yeah, I think that's right. Mm-hmm. As long as we want to give up the you know the extra capacity. Can I just say one thing? Uh, on. To Quinny, get well soon, mate. Because I know... Andy, uh, Mr. New Zealand Am has not been well recently. He's not, has he? Yeah, so, I did read that. So yeah. uh, hopefully you're back up on your bike and riding around New Zealand like a lunatic that you seem to be. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, Ed Hughes finally says, Man City game, boy, my feeling. 
think Moyes is starting to figure it what we're good at and most importantly what we're not good at. It will be ugly. It will be horrid to watch. It will be even worse to listen to. But uh, um, fans bang on it being dismal. But I think we will continue to prove at home with a charge atmosphere like the Leicester game. I think we have a great chance for points. December is a tough fixtures, but I'm keeping the faith. So that's that's maybe a good link to talk about Chelsea. Um, Nigel and Ian, are you going on on Saturday? Um, I'm not. This sounds terrible because it seems it sounds as if I hardly ever go to a game. But I'm not going to be. I'm, it's on television. I'm going to be in Norfolk. I'm afraid. I'm going to the Arsenal one though. Uh, so what what do you think? Let's let's talk about predictions. What where what what do you think? Um, how we line up and and a prediction for for Chelsea? Uh, well, here. I hope he keeps faith with Declan Rice. I'd like to see him continue. I don't know if Winston Reid's going to be fit or not, but even if he is, I would still play Declan Rice um, alongside Ogbonna. I'd keep Cresswell. I'd keep Zabaleta. Um, I mean, I'm not sure he's got a lot of chance to change things around but given the injury situation I would bring in Arnautovic to start on the left um, if Antonio is fit bring him on the right and have Sacco through the middle um, I wasn't sure quite sure why Fernandes played against Manchester City. he didn't do anything particularly wrong but I thought that was a slightly strange selection maybe just forced because of the injury situation um, so I don't think there'll be a lot of changes would I put Adrian in goal <sighs> I probably would because I think it would sort of pull Joe Hart up a bit. I think Joe Hart ought to be playing for his England place and need, needs to put in some performances. But um, I think maybe, yeah, keep keep Adrian in goal. And as far as predictions goes, I'm a bit like you, Sean. I don't like to predict a massive defeat. So I'll go for a 1-0 victory. Uh, Nigel. Listen, Chelsea going to beat us. Um, Arsenal going to beat us. Uh, and I'll swap them to beat Arsenal in the Cup basically. I think we'll be bottom three around Christmas and then you'll see us change and we'll probably finish 15th or 16th at the end of the season and Moyes will keep us up. Um, that's what I think. So, Chelsea. Let's talk about Chelsea. <laughs> Chelsea, we're going to lose. Gonna... Yeah, but what? We've got I a mean, lot of injuries. There's... Moyes has got a lot of injuries to, to deal with. All right. well. oh, is it going to be a cricket players. score? No, 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 no. I don't think it'll be a cricket score. You'll probably... The thing is, at home, it's different to set up the same way as you get against Man City, but I'd imagine he'll try and do that and try and catch him on the break with our pace. But Antonio didn't look too clever, did he? His pace is lacking. I would... I, I don't know what's... Well, we sort of know what's going on with Sacco. He's come out, said things, blah, blah, blah. He wants to go at the end of the season in January. But while he's willing to go on the pitch, I would start him. Because at the end of the day, he's the one player, striker, that seems to look like he can do something. So I would start with yeah. Sacco purely for that reason. Okay, nothing to lose. Yeah, nothing to lose. Stick him on the pitch. Use him until he's ready to go in January. You know, he might want to stay. So go on, life. give a number to it. It's the longest prediction ever. How? What are we going to lose by? What? What by? Oh, I don't know, 30-0. <laughs> 30-0. All right. Um, I, I hate predicting a loss, uh, <laughs> even though I'm going to say nil-nil because then I will be right for some of the time, probably the first few minutes. I did have a bet, by the way, with Betway on one-nil for City. And I got 50 to 1 for a little while. I was uh, celebrating at half time. 
but it was very short-lived. So, and I couldn't cash out early. It didn't allow me to, so I lost my money. But I will go a Force 9, Sam Alley special, Force 9, uh, park the bus, nil-nil, and, and we'll get a, a good point uh, from Chelsea. Um, I think that's about it. We've got a um, things on Twitter. I just checked. Go on, go on. Gwen, Gwen Ammers said, will they ever put the match on screens on the concourse? Well, apparently, Gwen, yep. they will be. Uh, they've announced today. And so yep. every time you go down for a beer, you shouldn't need to miss a goal. But if you did No, 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 no. Season, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. No? That's not the agreement. The agreement oh. is they'll be on two hours before the game, up until kickoff, and it will be on at half time, but it won't be on during the game. All right, well, there you go. We'll... You won't miss a goal then because they won't show it. Well, they did anyway. at Upton Park, no, so why can't Jesse they burn? Uh, it's of... a long story, which we don't have time to go in. It's all Karen Brady's. <laughs> they should grasp me up, Nigel. <laughs> I nearly gave the game away. Oh, dear. Yeah, it was all them nasty SAB people's fault. Yeah. Okay. Can I bring up something else? The the Tottenham game has been shifted to Thursday, January the 4th at 8 o'clock. Um, and apparently the reason for this whoop, whoop. is, and um, you and I wrote about this, didn't we, Sean, a few weeks ago, and, and, and they, ha- they haven't did. given this as the reason, but I know for a fact that the reason is because London Underground yep. staff refused to work. They hadn't got enough staff particularly at Wembley Station, they could only get 10% of the staff to work on New Year's Eve. Now, I'm sorry, but I think that is an absolute disgrace for a a public service like the London Underground. Okay, it's a commercial company. They ought to be able to provide staff to staff a station for a football match, and and they couldn't. And I think that's outrageous. And when we both broke this exclusively, uh, and we were the first to break it, Everybody yeah. was going, oh, no, no, they'll right. sort it all out. Even I was being told by the Premier League, yeah. I was being told, I spoke to Spurs press office and West Ham, all going, no, 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 this will solve itself out. But TFL and London Underground have had the last well, laugh. And we were told this, weren't we? Yeah. And we were told, oh, yeah, they get their way. They threaten legal action. They got their own way. Well, it should never have. And then, of course, um, they can't now move the West Brom match back to when it was originally supposed to be. So we've got, a, what is it, a two-day gap. And then you've got... Is it two or three days before we play Shrewsbury in the FA Cup? So, I mean, absolute, absolutely yeah. scandalous. Well, I bet Shrewsbury's Monday night now. That's what do I... Do you fancy Shrewsbury, uh, Nigel? Yeah, I do. I, um, yeah, the last time I can remember us playing oh, Shrewsbury, was they beat us 3-1 at the Bowling before the FA Cup final in 1980. Um, I perhaps I, I can't think of another time that we played them. Um, anyway, we have been prattling on for too yeah. long. It's, it's an hour and dinner. 12 minutes. It's 10 o'clock. People are getting boring. Right. I have been Sean. Uh, Ian has been. Ian. And Nigel has been. Sworn at by Ian. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I, I have to do. That. Come on, you irons. Come on, you irons. Bye. Bobby Moore. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 